0: This is Ned Ryan, and welcome to episode 32 of the Ned Ryan podcast. I want to talk about the life issue today uh, in light of some of the things that were said last night about the life issue in which Vice President Mike Pence said that Donald Trump is absolutely the most pro-life president uh, we've had in recent times, perhaps ever, which I fully agree with, and it has become one of those issues That I think a lot of details get lost uh, in the whole conversation about what is at stake, how do we approach this, how do we stop butchering uh, unborn children, and have an approach that is a a reasonable one in light of some issues at the same time, we significantly reduce to almost nothing uh, the issue of abortion. My wife and I have had this conversation. We think that in the future... We will look back, people will look back and wonder why a supposedly highly civilized and advanced society decided that it was a good idea to kill literally tens of millions of its future citizens for no other reason except convenience. And we do think that this will be our slavery issue. Uh, It will be... The equivalent of a Holocaust, which I know some people resent, but I'm going to say it anyway because I think Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood and others, have committed nothing less than genocide on the African-American community. When you look at the percentages of how many black babies are aborted every year, the strategy of Sanger and where she was placing the early Planned Parenthood... Uh, facilities and still where they are placed. So let's have a conversation about abortion because now we're in a situation in which there are so many different dynamics at stake. Last year, we started to have the conversation in which state legislators in my home state of Virginia were actually promoting the idea of late-term abortions all the way up until the moment of birth which is horrifying. I mean, it's it's it. you would think in polite society in which we actually valued life and valued life of the unborn, which we don't, clearly, in this culture, anyone who would even suggest such an idea would no longer be accepted in polite society, and yet we have elected officials who are actually saying it and promoting it. We also have the issue, obviously, of Amy Coney Barrett, Whose hearings start next week? Obviously, the left, some of them, are losing their minds. Over will Amy Coney Barrett be the deciding vote on Roe v. Wade? I'm not fully convinced of that. Obviously, her being on the court is a massive step in the right direction towards restricting abortions. Do we get to overturn Roe v. Wade with her? I think it might be the next one, to be perfectly honest. In which John Roberts is completely overwhelmed Uh, by the conservative members of the Supreme Court and you actually get to overturn Roe v. Wade. So you have all of these issues that are taking place and Donald Trump has done so much for the pro-life movement. He has fully embraced it. He has shown full-throated support for the issue. And I have to tell you, I mean, when you look at the evangelical vote in 2016, it was about, really about one issue. It was life. And they knew that Donald Trump would appoint judges that were constitutionalists, originalists, you know, strict constructionists, at the same time were also going to be pro-life. So it was really about the life issue and judges. And I think that's going to play the same. I mean, he has now shown you know, promises made, promises kept. And this has been one of the big issues for the evangelical community for obviously decades. So I, I just wanted to talk through about abortion and some of these issues. It's going to be a hot topic, obviously, with the hearings, but it's going to be a hot topic through the next few weeks. It's going to come up multiple times. So it's often contended that abortion is a safe procedure, but that's not entirely true. Numerous physical health risks from the procedure include, but are not limited to, uh, premature births, contracting breast cancer, being unable to reproduce in the future, uh, additionally, abortion is associated with many psychological problems, including but not limited to PTSD, depression, drug and alcohol abuse, and suicidal behavior. Despite these risks, abortion is not heavily regulated like most other medical procedures throughout the United States. Nevertheless, many state laws uh, in place uh, have laws in place to inform patients about the health risks Surrounding abortion and alternatives to abortion that are available So what I want to talk about in this podcast is the physical and psychological health risks of abortion And the legal requirements to reduce harm from abortion that are currently in place Obviously I'm a huge believer that at a minimum uh, we should outlaw any abortions past 20 weeks Uh, Obviously there have been bills that have been in Congress that have not been successful That's a starting point, that we have to restrict it, um, that there are no abortions past 20 weeks, except for in very, very rare uh, cases. So, one of the big arguments about abortion and and making it legal is health of the mother. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Less than 1 in 10,000 pregnancies result uh, in the mother's death. What needs to be known, though, is that many deaths from legal abortion— Not adequately reported. Uh, One expert on the issue has noted that abortion actually increases the chance of maternal death in later pregnancies. Another researcher adds the evidence overwhelmingly proves that the morbidity and mortality rates of legal abortion are several times higher than that for carrying a pregnancy to term. There are numerous health risks, physical health risks, from abortion. A government-funded study from Finland in 2000 found that women who have abortions are four times more likely to die in the year following the procedure than women who carry a term. Women who carry a term are only half as likely to die as are women who are not pregnant. The study was conducted by researchers from the Statistical Analysis Unit of Finland's National Research and Development Center for Welfare and Health. They surveyed the death certificate records of all women of reproductive age, ages 15 to 49, who died between 1987 and 1994, of which there were about just over 9,100 people. So they found that the women who had abortions, compared with women who carried a term, were 60% more likely to die from natural causes, seven times more likely to die from suicide, four times more likely to die from injuries related to accidents And 14 times more likely to die from incidents related to homicide. So, these final two categories may be linked with higher rates of suicidal and risk taking behavior among post abortive women. An ectopic pregnancy, if I pronounce that right, takes place when a zygote implants itself outside the uterus, typically in the fallopian tubes. Uh, Even though these pregnancies are usually not lethal, They are responsible for 12% of pregnancy related deaths. And studies have found that the risk of an ectopic pregnancy is twice as high for women who have had an abortion already, and up to four times as high for women who have had two or more abortions. So the rate of ectopic pregnancies increased 300% immediately following the legalization of abortion. In 1970, these pregnancies only accounted for 4.8 out of the 1,000 pregn- pregnancies. By 1980, risen to 14.5 out of 1,000. Pelvic inflammatory disease is an infection that leads to fever and infertility. Researchers have stated pelvic infection is a common and serious complication of induced abortion and has been reported in up to 30% of cases. A study of women having a first-trimester abortion demonstrated that women with post-abortal pelvic inflammatory disease had significantly higher rates of spontaneous abortion, secondary infertility, and chronic pelvic pain. Other infectious complications, as well as endometriosis, follow approximately 5% of abortion procedures. Another... Uh, issue to consider is the fact that there is the likelihood of premature and underweight births uh, are increased in future pregnancies for women who have abortions. For various reasons, the frequency of early death for infants born after their mothers have had abortions is between two to four times the normal rate. Additionally, the L8 Institute claims that women who have abortions are twice as likely to have preterm or postterm deliveries. There's also the issue of complications from abortion procedures, the, quite common. The reported immediate complication rate alone of abortion is no less than 10 percent. In addition, studies of long-range complications show rates no less than 17 percent and frequently report complication rates in the range of 25 to 40 percent. Dr. Thomas Hilgers thoroughly studied the leading medical literature on the subject and came to the following conclusion. The medical hazards of legally induced abortion are very significant and should be conscientiously weighted. Women who have abortions are more likely to contract breast cancer at some point in their lives. This is due to the fact that breast tissue grows rapidly in the pregnancy in preparation for nursing, but is unable to fulfill its natural function with a premature end to the pregnancy. Women who have had first trimester abortions are twice as likely— to contract breast cancer than women who carry to term. Dr. Joel Brind, who is professor at the Department of Natural Scientists at the Baruch College of the City University of New York, is a main proponent of the connection between abortion and breast cancer. Uh, he wrote the comprehensive review and meta-analysis of the abortion-breast cancer link. He's written that the single most avoidable risk factor for breast cancer is abortion, he states only induced abortion, not spontaneous abortion, is consistently linked to the incidence of breast cancer. Biological basis of this difference is also clear. Most spontaneous abortions are characterized by subnormal ovarian estrodiol, if I got that word right, secretion, It is the surge of estradiol early in a normal pregnancy, which provides an estrogen overexposure by which most known risk factors increase breast cancer risk. So, of course, the New York Times once claimed that women should not be concerned about the increased risk of breast cancer following abortion. However, 10 of the 11 previous studies that were published ahead of the New York Times report found a link between abortion and breast cancer. So a woman in America has about a 12% lifetime risk of contracting breast cancer. Journal of the National Medical Association reported that in 1993, black women that are 50 or older that had at least one abortion have a 370% increased risk of contracting breast cancer. This translates to a 56% lifetime risk for black women who have had abortions of contracting breast cancer. There are other physical health risks that come with abortion. Women who have abortions are almost four times more likely to die from accident-related injuries than other women. One study found that women who have had abortions experienced a 62% higher risk of death from all causes than did women who gave birth. Factors contributing to death include suicide and accidents. The legalization of abortion corresponds with a significant increase in premature births. So the rate of premature births before 1970 was about 6%. By 2006, it had risen to almost 13%. However, the rate has declined to about 11.7% in more recent years, which, as a matter of fact, corresponds with a decrease in abortions. It's also important to note that black women have premature babies uh, before 32 weeks gestation at three times the rate of white women. This correlates with the fact that the abortion rate is higher among black women. These are just facts and statistics, people. Blacks make up about 13% of the U.S. population, yet they constitute about 35.4% of all abortions. The abortion rate per 1,000 people for black women is 32.5% in comparison to 8.5% for white women. This is likely caused, at least in part, by the fact that 62% of Planned Parenthood abortion facilities are within two miles of relatively high African-American populations, while 83% of facilities that perform or refer to other abortion facilities are also located within minority neighborhoods. Go back, folks, and read Margaret Sanger's works. Read her letters. Read about all the things that she was involved in, including eugenics. She has made it very clear she wasn't even shy about it and about addressing the issue of the Negroes. There's a reason for this, and that is why I've said and continue to say Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood, I would hope that someday we will all agree, they were involved in active genocide against the black community. So there are further physical risks of abortion. Uh, A meta-analysis of 49 studies published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that black women have triple the risk of early preterm births and quadruple the risk of extreme preterm births compared with non-black American women. So multiple studies also show that preterm births are significantly increased by previous abortions. CDC found that black women have three times the abortion rates of white women Also, the Institute of Medicine at the National Academy of Sciences has hidden data on the physical risks of abortion. In one particular uh, Institute of Medicine study, the immutable medical risk factors associated with preterm birth were listed obscurely on page 625. The third risk factor was prior first trimester induced abortion. However, this risk was mentioned nowhere else in the study. Yep, that's right, they just buried it on page 625. The other fact of the matter is abortion poses a substantial threat to women's psychological well-being. Several dozen studies link abortion to increased rates of sexual dysfunction, impotency, loss of intimacy, unexpected guilt, extramarital affairs, traumatic stress syndrome, grief responses, personality fragmentation, and higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse. Dr. Vincent Rue lists many different potential consequences of induced abortion that women can experience. Guilt, depression, grief, anxiety, sadness, shame, helplessness and hopelessness, lowered self-esteem, distrust, hostility towards self and others, regret, sleep disorders, recurring dreams, nightmares, anniversary reactions, psychophysiological symptoms, suicidal ideation and behavior, alcohol and or chemical dependencies, sexual dysfunction, insecurity, numbness, painful re-experiencing of the abortion, relationship disruption, communication impairment and or restriction, isolation, fetal fantasies, self-condemnation, flashbacks, uncontrollable weeping, eating disorders, preoccupation, confused and or distorted thinking, bitterness, and a sense of loss and emptiness. Ronald Reagan's Surgeon General, uh, C. Everett Koop, said there's no doubt about the fact that abortions are dangerous to the psychological health of women. He said that many studies on this subject are flawed because they do not examine the psychological damage of abortion over a long enough period of time. So the Elliott Institute... Uh, f- has found that women who have abortions are five times as likely to abuse drugs. Uh, the director of the institute, Dr. David Reardon, as well as Dr. Philip Ney, who is a psychiatrist who specializes in post-abortion counseling, authored this study. So at the time of the publication, this study was at least the 16th published study to draw a connection between abortion and alcohol and drug abuse. The suicide rate for women who have had abortions is higher than the general population. Feelings of rejection, low self-esteem, guilt, and depression are all ingredients for suicide, and the rate of suicide attempts among aborted uh, women who have had an abortion is phenomenally high. According to one study, women who have had abortions are nine times more likely to attempt suicide than women in the general population. Additionally, Women's World once reported a study that found that 45% of women who had abortions said they had thoughts of suicide following the procedure. Even though the American Psychiatric Association has not taken a public stance on post-abortion syndrome, PAS, it still lists abortion as a stressor event that can potentially trigger post-traumatic stress disorder. A study by clinical psychologist Catherine Bernard, published in 1991, indicated that almost 19% of post-aborted women interviewed showed diagnosable post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD. Another 39 to 45 percent had sleep disorders, hypervigilance, flashbacks, and other stress reactions. Dr. Bernard concluded that nearly half of women who have had an abortion may be suffering some type of emotional trauma as a result. The Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists surveyed a range of psychiatric and psychological studies and came to the following conclusion. The incidence of serious permanent psychiatric aftermath of abortion is variously reported as between 9 to 59 percent. However, columnist John Leo has stated that only 1 percent of women who have abortions are scarred to the point they are unable to function properly. Even if this low figure is correct, hundreds of thousands of women who have had abortions have been permanently and deeply scarred since 1973. And that's if you accept the low figure. The higher figure? Cataclysmic among the female population. The British Medical Journal found that after reviewing a wide range of research, almost all of those who had terminated felt guilt and depression for at least a brief period of time. Research shows that approximately half of all women who had abortions experienced psychological disturbances lasting at least eight weeks. Including feelings of guilt, nervous symptoms, regret, and sleeplessness. Longer term studies have found that 10 to 30 percent of abortion patients experience serious ongoing psychiatric problems. In one five year study, 25 percent of women who had undergone abortion surgery sought out psychiatric care, as opposed to 3 percent of women who had no prior abortions. Another study found that psychiatric disorders or 40% more common among women who had abortions than among those who didn't. The importance of long-term studies is illustrated in the following passage. A woman that has a six-month post-abortion survey declares well adju- de- that a survey declares well-adjusted may experience severe trauma on the anniversary of the abortion date or even many years later. The fact is attested to in psychiatric textbooks which affirm that the psychiatrist frequently hears, an expression, hears expressions, of remorse and guilt concerning abortions that occurred twenty or more years earlier. In one study, the number of women who expressed serious self-reproach increased fivefold over a period of time, over the period of time covered by the study. As in, it doesn't get better; it gets worse. A Los Angeles poll, Los Angeles Times poll, found that 56% of women who had abortions had a sense of guilt about having an abortion. The poll also found that nearly two thirds of men whose partners had abortions felt guilt about it. So, in light of all of this, why is the abortion industry so lightly regulated and fighting, fights all the time to make sure that it does not have the, the oversight that the rest of the medical community has? So Randy Alcorn, who's done a lot of work and research on this very issue, draws a firm distinction between abortion clinics and hospitals to illustrate abortion is not a legitimate medical procedure. He writes, Abortions seldom include pathologic exams, while normal surgeries do. Abortion clinics aggressively advertise their services, which real hospitals seldom do. The patient's informed consent is always required at hospitals, While abortion clinics almost never explain to women the full risks of abortion or the psychological development of the unborn, the consent of the parents of a minor is always required for an ethical surgery, but not for abortion, except in states with parental consent laws. Abortion clinics sometimes give kickbacks to family planning clinics that send them business, something ethical hospitals would not do. Hospitals require detailed record-keeping— Abortion clinics' records are often sketchy. The great majority of ethical surgeries are for true medical reasons, whereas 99% of abortions are for non-medical reasons. So, there's been polling on abortion safety. There was a comprehensive 1991 Gallup poll found that an overwhelming 84% of Americans believe that health and safety standards should be imposed on abortion clinics, and 86% believe that the law should require that a woman receive information regarding fetal development and alternatives to abortion. More recently, a July 2011 Gallup poll found that 87% of Americans favor a law that requires doctors to inform patients about certain risks surrounding abortion before performing the procedure, while only 11% oppose this requirement. What this has resulted in numerous states— Uh, Now have requirements that counseling, which includes giving women the physical and psychological health risks of abortion, must be given prior to the commission of the procedure, the abortion, as well as information about alternatives to abortion. These states include Arizona, Utah, Idaho, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Florida and Montana also have similar laws on the books, but they are not currently enforced because they have been enjoined by the courts. However, many states still do not require that women are given the proper medical information, as well as information concerning abortion alternatives, so that women can make informed decisions. It's almost as if many elected officials are more concerned with promoting abortion than they are with the freedom to choose. I would also argue more concerned with promoting abortion than actually truly promoting an informed female population and women's rights, true women's rights, uh, in face of a very strong and proactive abortion industry. So abortion is the only procedure in the U.S. for which the surgeon is not universally required to inform the patients of the risk of the procedure. The Supreme Court has even denied the right of women to an informed choice about abortion. Uh, as Randy Alcorn notes, the court guarantees freedom of choice but denies the right to informed choice. Abortionists can legally withhold information or even avoid their clients' direct questions in order to ensure that the patient will agree to an abortion, which will be, they assume, in her best interests. Why is there such widespread silence about the dangers of legal abortion? Wasn't abortion legalized in order to improve health care for women rather to, than to encourage them to take unnecessary risks? And I'm quoting Randy Alcorn. This all to say it is shocking and stunning to people that no facts, the real facts about abortion, that we continue to have essentially what we do, abortion on demand in many places in this country. At some point, I would hope that more of the American people become educated on the issue of abortion. There will always be debate about exceptions, rape, incest, life of the mother. Fine, we can have that debate. But 99% of abortions are for non-medical reasons. If we could reduce by 90% the abortion rate here in America, we would be a much better place, but it also speaks to the moral health of a country that we have allowed such a practice for 47 years. I was born in 1973, the year that Roe v. Wade was passed. Let's face it. I mean, this was, this was legislation passed by a super legislative body that went around the traditional legislative means and by judicial fiat has implemented policies that have resulted in the death of tens of millions of unborn U.S. citizens. And so we have to have we, – we, we have to have the debate. We have to have the conversation. I hope that we get it out of the courts, that it goes to the legislative process about abortion on demand that we actually will say we believe that the unborn children actually do have rights. They have the right to live. They have the right to life. They have the right to be born and to experience all of those things that are inherent to a human being. And I think it's incumbent upon those of us listening to this to understand I truly do believe this is the great issue, the slavery issue of our day. And for many years, the abolitionists in America in the 1840s and 50s were considered the crazy radicals that they were so far outside the mainstream of America because they simply raised their voices and pointed out the evils of the slave industry in this country. And... Obviously, in many ways, the, the mainstream media, many different, whether it's Hollywood, etc., have tried to say that anytime you actually want to bring up in a serious way the issue of abortion, you're outside the mainstream. No, I think the mainstream is with us. I think it's with us who are pro-life. And the more that the American people know and fully, fully understand the consequences of abortion— in the short term, not only in the life of, of the unborn children, but also the physical and psychological damage that has done to the female population of this country, they'd be with us. So it's our responsibility to continue to inform people as we move ahead, not only in this election cycle, but beyond, about the real dangers, physical and psychological dangers of abortion. And we must do all that we can to significantly reduce the number of abortions in this country.